warm welcome everybody. Again, if you're visiting us for the first time today, we're so glad that you're with us. Please make sure that you visit the team afterwards and get that free water bottle or tote bag. That'll be our pleasure just to thank you for coming and being a part. And don't forget also that as a church, we're now in this series called Family Values. But we've set our hearts that there'll never be a shortage of the Word of God being taught <clears throat> in family church. And obviously, you know, you may not know, we're one church with a number of congregations and they're all meeting at the same time today. Pastor Stewart is over with Gosport Congregation today. We're also in Haven, in Waterside, in Waterlooville, different places around the area. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also, this morning, this is actually my third time of speaking uh, at the moment, we're on TBN at 9.30, so um, if ever you're up at 9.30 and you're like, I just can't get enough of a word of God, just turn to TBN, and we're currently on there at 9.30 on a Sunday morning, and then we have online church, and I'm saying this because some people, I met some people recently, and they never knew that we have an online congregation. I was talking to somebody, and they said, ah, oh, we missed church last week. I said, did you do online church? They went, what? So, just to let you know, we also have an online congregation that starts at 10.30. You can visit on our YouTube channel or on our website. And that's hosted live by Pastor Sarah Carter. And again, there's a word that I'll share. I'm actually preaching then right now as well as here. That's kind of spooky, right? And uh, there's a word being taught there. And then we've got our live gatherings on Sunday morning in different locations. So don't forget, if ever you're on holiday and you're like, oh man, I'm missing church, online church. Easy. If you can't come to church one day because of something happening, don't miss out on your church family. Just join us for online church at 10.30. Is that good? <clears throat> good. Got my own little jug of water up here today. It's going to be great. I'm going to actually put it on the floor because I can see myself swiping it across the table there. Well, we want to welcome you back. Last week we were uh, looking and we started a series called Family Values where we were taking a journey and we started a journey together as the church, looking at the values of family church. And these are really important. And we're going to be taking the next 11 weeks, including today, just to stop and talk about each of these values. Each of them stand alone as a message in their own right, but they also tie together to say to you and to me, these are the things in family church we value. We're not against what other churches value, but these are what we value. This is the flavour of the ice cream that we are. Now, these values represent the culture of who we are as a community of people following Jesus, but also the things that we're passionate about and we've set our heart to stay focused upon. Last week, we started with number one, and uh, we spoke about we are Christ-centred that we are Christocentric people for its true terminology. We're a people who desire and celebrate Jesus being at the very centre of all that we are, all that we believe and everything that we do. That's a key value. That's why we've placed that value first. <clears throat> we're a Christocentric, we're a Christ-centred people. He's the centre of our theology. That means what we believe. Christ is at the centre of our belief, Christ is at the centre of our lives, and Christ is at the centre of what we're building. Now I want us to move on to our second one, and the second one that we're going to be speaking about is we are commissioned. I think that will come up behind me. We are commissioned, and that means that we're living passionately to share the gospel 
locally, nationally, and globally. So one of our focuses and passions as a church is that we are commissioned. And that means we are not doing it because we have to, but we're passionate about sharing the gospel and taking the good news of Jesus everywhere we can, locally, nationally, but also globally. Now, this is an essential value to us because it's a vitally important one to him. Now, if Jesus is going to be the center, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if Jesus is going to be the center of what we do, then we want what he values to be the center of what we value. And again, this isn't just a value of Jesus as our Lord and King. It's also what we would call a commission or a commission. That Jesus actually said to us, not just the church, but every follower, I want you to be busy letting other people know about a relationship with God that's available and, and what God has achieved for them through salvation. Now, this one's very close to my heart because I'm very much at the heart of who I am, an evangelist. I always was from the moment that I first gave my life to Christ. Um, I don't have a problem sharing Christ with people and having a passion to see others become born again. It's almost like a lane that's very natural for me to run in. So today, I'm really excited to be able to have this subject. I know Pastor, uh, Pastor Sean is sharing next week on discipleship as we move on to that one. But evangelism is something that I'm very, very passionate about. <clears throat> now, that means that we're passionate about being a people who are committed to take the good news of the relationship that's available with God and the message of salvation both near and far. Now, you'll notice within the value, we say that we're committed to sharing the gospel locally, nationally, and further afield. Locally, it's through our congregations and the people that make up our congregations. Nationally, through things like TBN, um, uh, us traveling as a ministry. Next week, I'm going to be in Newport, Wales. I'm crossing the boundary lines into Wales, and I'm going to be sharing there. That's a part of our commitment as a church to be taking the gospel and leading people to Christ in the nation. Uh, that we belong, but also through our missional evangelism and our partnerships and our alliances, we're committed to see the good news of Jesus reach the far off shores. Now, here's the key verses that we're looking at. These won't be a surprise to many of you. The first one's in Matthew 28, and I'm going to read from verse 18 to 19. <clears throat> then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He took back by his death, burial, and resurrection the authority that had been given from Adam to the enemy. In his death, burial, and resurrection, all authority, both in heaven and earth, came back to the uh, lordship of Christ. But in these verses, he now says, I give authority to you. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the actual commission in those verses is to make disciples. But you can't make disciples until you've made, for a better word, converts. 
You can't help disciple people till there's been a conversion in their heart. Now, next week, Pastor Sean is going to be carrying on with this value that we are disciples and we are disciple makers. That's a value of family church. But I want to cover this first one, which is the first step to discipleship. It's when a person hears about Jesus and has an opportunity to respond and come into a relationship with Jesus. Now, salvation is a matter of faith. To be saved, a person must place faith in Jesus Christ. To be a disciple, they then walk faithfully. See, faithfulness will release the rewards of heaven into your life. But faithfulness doesn't release salvation. Salvation is released into a person's life when they place faith in Jesus Christ. So Sean's going to be sharing next week about the walk of discipleship and faithfulness. But today, we're looking at that moment that God has given us a commission and he's given us a message. Jesus has saved and he says, now go and tell as many people as you can, wherever you can, about this incredible invitation. We'd be selfish not to, wouldn't we? Imagine if, I mean, we're dealing with eternal redemption here. We're not dealing about your experience on the planet. We're speaking about what happens beyond the grave. That God has secured for us an assurance where we can be fearless regarding our salvation because it's not placed on our performance but in faith in Jesus Christ. You see, faith in Jesus Christ isn't faith in Jesus and. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we've got this message that it will be like if you suddenly discovered a, a gold mine <clears throat> and there was enough gold in there for everything you'd ever need, but also for anyone else as well. It would be a really sad thing if you boarded up the gold mine and didn't allow other people to experience or benefit from what you'd found. That's what we do when we refuse to share the gospel and the good news with others. We say, I'm okay, Jack, pull up the ladder. I've got what I need, now let everybody else go to hell. That's not the culture of family church. We want to let as many people know in our lives <clears throat> that we can that Jesus Christ still saves. Amen. Now, the second verse, which I want to really pick on and unpack a little bit more today, is a commissional verse. It's found in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And this short statement is Jesus speaking again to the disciples and speaking to us at the same time, even though it's decades and generations later. He said to them, and he says to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel or good news to every creature or every person. So when we read these verses, we have a couple of questions, simple questions that I think it's good for us to answer. Who was he speaking to or commissioning when he made this statement? We could put that another way. Whose job or responsibility to let other people know about Jesus and his salvation? Whose responsibility is that? Maybe you could respond to that and say, well, that's the responsibility of church leaders. Because Jesus was speaking to the disciples. I believe that's wrong. I believe that Jesus wasn't just speaking to those who would become the first church leaders of the early church, but he was also speaking to every believer. 
and that it's every believer's responsibility to be telling others the good news that Jesus saves, not just in the life to come, but he saves in this life also. You see, the role of church leadership, and again, I'm not going to go too much into this because it's another one of our values called Empowered, is that the leadership of the church is not there to do everything or to make the commission happen. The leaders of the church, according to Ephesians 4 verse 11, is to equip and mobilize the saints, that's you, for works of service. Now that word works of service, it's, uh, the original word means to do business. So the purpose of church leadership, whether they be a pastor, an evangelist, any leader in family church, isn't to do everything that's needed to be done in church. That's where we've gone wrong for many years and ended up with one person down the front doing everything, burning up or ending in a mental home or something because he was trying to do everything in who he was when actually the Bible says, no, no, the leadership role, as well as personally leading people to Christ, is to equip the saints. Okay, give me a wave if you're a saint. Okay, we're going to need to teach on that a little bit more, aren't we? You became a saint the moment your life came into Christ. You don't become a saint in 500 years when somebody calls you a saint. You're a saint the moment you believe in Jesus. So this advice of the mobilisation of the saints isn't to a select few, it's to everyone who's a follower of Jesus. Now you see, when Paul wrote his letters to the different churches, you'll see that he addressed it to the saints and he spoke to the saints. He weren't speaking to people that died many years ago, but people who were very much alive, followers of Jesus Christ. So today, we're not saints because we've done anything or anyone's proclaimed us one in a ceremony somewhere. We're saints because the moment we believed in Jesus, our lives were taken from a position of separation and our lives were positioned in Christ. His righteousness is now our righteousness. You'll never be more saintly than being in Christ. All right? Now we understand that. We live out of that revelation. We don't live in an effort to achieve something we've already got. I'm trying to be a saint. That's like a bold man shaving his head. You're trying to do what's already been done. What we do is we acknowledge that the moment we believed in Christ, our life was taken from separation and placed in Christ. And that moment, we became the saints of God, not just the sons and daughters. Well, I didn't have that on my notes, but somebody probably needed to hear that, right? So the Bible says in Ephesians that the purpose of church leadership is to equip the saints. Who's a saint? There we go. Well, actually, there was less that time. Did I do something wrong? Or is that your lack of response? Please let me know I didn't just ruin everything. If you're a saint and you know it, give me a wave. All right, now I can sleep at night. <clears throat> it's like when you preach on it and then suddenly the crowd lessens. It's like, all right. So when we look at the Great Commission, it's not to a selected few. It's not to those who call themselves evangelists or pastors, prophets, apostles or teachers. Every one of us have a responsibility to see others saved. 
Now, in evangelism, what we're speaking about, because that could be a scary word, couldn't it? Evangelism. We're talking about reaching others for Jesus. And that's something that happens in buildings on Sundays and other events we put on, but shouldn't be in prison to just buildings, if that makes sense. I love it on a Sunday morning at the end of a service when we have an opportunity and give people a chance to receive Christ as saviour. But I'm also excited that the moment I walk out of the door, I'm still in my mission field. Because God wants us to be a church that isn't just leading people to Christ in the building, but leading people to Christ, our friends and family, in our everyday lives. Now, think how exciting this could be for the kingdom of God. If we moved evangelism, soul winning, from something that happened once a week on a Sunday morning or in a special event when we bring in a guest speaker to being something <clears throat> that happened every day in the life of every believer. This is what we're passionate about in Family Church when we say we want to be a soul-winning church. It's not that we just have events that people come to and find Christ, but we have a people who carry Christ into the worlds of other people also. That's why we want to equip you to be the best soul winner that you can be. So that when we say good night and God bless after the service today, somebody goes into a college this week carrying Christ to introduce him to others. When we say amen at the end of a service, another person goes into the business world. Another person goes into their neighbourhood. Another person goes into uh, uh, standing by the school gates. But each of us suddenly realise we have a responsibility to let others know that Jesus saves. Whether they choose to reject or accept is their choice. But we have an obligation to make sure that they have the ability to make that choice. Does that make sense? So I love it, the ramifications of this. What if soul winning left the stage and got into the lifestyle of everyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus? I think that's when we'd actually be able to look at something and go, that's revival. But suddenly people are queuing up at the doors and they're like, I don't remember you lifting your hand in my service. And they said, oh, we didn't. We did it in the break room at work because this person told me about Jesus. Oh, we did it outside the classroom because this young person told me about Jesus and gave me the opportunity to receive him as Lord, Saviour and friend as well. Come on, that's the stuff that excites me. <clears throat> so we are a soul-winning church. We want a soul-winning culture, a place where people are equipped to lead people in their life to Christ. So where do we get started with this? Remember, we're talking about we are a commissioned people. We have a responsibility to the local world that our life represents. We have a responsibility to the nation or further afield. But also we feel an obligation to the ends of the earth. That's why we invest time and effort and money in projects in the Philippines and in, in Moldova. And uh, in, I pointed over there because I just saw we were visited today by, hello, how are you? Good to see you. Good. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm just getting distracted there. Uh, uh, to Africa and all over the place. We have a calling there also. But I want to zoom in today in the time that we've got left on the local world. Your world, the world that you and me call our everyday life. You see, when we look at the Great Commission, 
it could be kind of scary, especially if you're new to the faith. So you've been saved a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, somebody like me says to you, oh, right, you're all right, you're enjoying your walk with God? Amazing. Now you've got to go into all the world, <clears throat> the whole world, and preach the gospel to everyone you meet. You'd be left saying, where do we get started? What, you want me to go to Africa, Asia Minor? Uh, you want me to go to Europe? Uh, where do you want me to get started with that, Andy? Well, I believe that we can de-spook this commission by actually starting in the place that I believe Jesus would have us to start, which is our local world. Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, and you will receive power. What's power? Godly ability. You will receive godly ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What does it say next? And you will, not might, you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, you could be new to Christianity and go, all right, so you want me to get on a plane to Israel? If that's what, is that what we're saying here? That I'm saved, baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you want me to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? Well, now let's leave that for later on. Let's call that your next move. But let's start with looking at Jerusalem differently. What if in those places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth, Jesus was actually underlining um, spheres of influence in our life that we all have? So for me, if I lived in Israel, and I was in this crowd that Jesus was initially speaking to, Jerusalem would be my local world, right? And then further afield for me would be Judea, Samaria, and then finally the ends of the earth. What if it's not Jerusalem but Portsmouth, Horndean, Clanfield, Petersfield, wherever your life represents today? What if we park Judea and Samaria further afield over there for a moment, we won't forget them, ends of the earth over there, and we zoom in on what Jesus calls your Jerusalem. But I believe the Lord's saying to each and every one of us in this commission, go and have a heart to go. Don't be a seated saint. Don't treat church like a people's storage unit, but have a heart to step into your local world, Portsmouth, Horndean, Cowplain, Haven with a heart to let other people know the incredible good news that Jesus still saves. That when a person places faith in Christ without penance or other man-made works, they receive the gift of salvation from heaven into their life, which is an eternal gift. It never runs dry. So... Let's look at our Jerusalem, because there's two words in this great commission, isn't there? Go and preach. Both of those could be really scary. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's look at that first word, go. He's asking you and me to be vocal and representatives or witnesses of what he is and what he's done in our lives in the world that's local to us. Now, I do a course called Soul Winner Boot Camp, and I'll talk about that at the end. But a part of this 
course, I do something called locating your Jerusalem. And what I often get people to do is, have you got that prop there? I say to people, evangelism, reaching your world for Christ, is as easy as this. Get yourself a big bit of paper, as big as you can get it. Settle for A4 if that's all you've got. And then draw a big circle on it. So simple, bit of paper. And then you draw a big circle on that bit of paper. Now take a moment to write the names of everyone in your local world, friends, family, neighbours, relatives, people at the school gate, people you've got to know in the gym. Write the names of those that you're pretty sure don't believe in Jesus and if they were to die tonight would go to a lost eternity. Write their names in the circle. All right, so you've got a bit of paper, you've got a big circle, and you've placed the names of the people that you're pretty sure don't know Jesus or have never received the gift of salvation in that circle. So suddenly you've just located and defined the world or the Jerusalem or the first local footstep that God is asking every one of us, not just church leaders, to take seriously about being witnesses for him. Now again, it's not about theological understanding. When you're a witness, you were there when it happened, right? If I was outside and there was an accident involving a car and another car, I was going to say a person, but that's not nice, a car and another car, Suddenly, I'd have to stay there until the police came. Why? Because I was a witness. What did Jesus say? You will receive the ability of heaven, the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses for me, first in your local world and then further afield when you're faithful in that. So you've got this bit of paper, you've got a big circle, you've got the friends and family and neighbours written in there. What do you do now? where you put it on the fridge or your bedroom mirror, whichever one you visit the most. And you do two things. Number one, you begin to pray for them. Lord, I'm pretty sure these people have never heard about you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure these people may have experienced religion, but they've never experienced Jesus. They've never experienced how you saved Jesus. So I take these people seriously and I begin to pray for their salvation. Oh, release the hounds of heaven on them, God. Begin to surround them with born-again believers, wherever they are. God, I begin to pray. It's not good enough that they would go to a lost eternity. God, I begin to pray for every person whose name is in my circle. Now, that's good, but also is number two. Say, God, give me opportunities to share you with them. Because it's brilliant if they're surrounded in the workplace by somebody they don't know. But it's even better when you have an opportunity to share with them as somebody that they do know. And that takes courage. But that's why the Holy Spirit was given to us to have the ability to be effective in our witness. Now, don't get me wrong, I love a good meeting when the Holy Spirit's moving. I'm not against falling over, shaking. I'm not against goosebumps. I, all, I love a bit of that myself. But I've got to remember that the giving of the Holy Spirit was more than just the provision of goosebumps. It was to give me the confidence, the ability, the words I need to speak to share Christ 
with others. Well, when he gives me the ability, I'll go and do it. Wrong. Everything about God involves faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want to approach this scenario like this. If you givey, givey, I goey, goey, and dewey, dewey. God says, noey, noey. He says, goey, goey, dewey, dewey, and then I givey, givey. Because we're a people who are a people of faith. He has promised he will give you the ability of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to go position yourself and have an intention to tell others. Otherwise, it's like having a kitchen uh, counter and a kettle on it. And the kettle's there, the kettle's plugged in. And you're like, boil kettle, kettle boil. You're plugged into the power of my house. Boil kettle No, you've got to flick the switch. We all know that, right? We've got to flick the switch. It's the same with our evangelism and experiencing the ability of heaven. Good intentions are not enough. You've got to step out there and say, all right, God, today, this is my Jerusalem. This school gate is my Jerusalem. This workplace is my Jerusalem. In some ways, it's easier to represent God in foreign places where no one knows you, right? To me, you really need the ability of God in the place where everybody does know you. It's like when I get on a plane to share Christ somewhere in Africa or or the uh, uh, Philippines or, or America. It's actually not that bad because when I get off of the plane, nobody really knows me. <clears throat> so not that I would, but I could actually pretend to be anyone because then nobody knows me, right? I could come off the plane and I could be... Um, Tom Jones, why, 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 Delilah? No, well, no, they don't know me. I could be Elvis, and I've been Elvis a few times. No one knows me. I could be Tina Turner. When I was a little girl, I had... It doesn't matter, nobody knows me. You try that in work on Monday. Because when you are a witness for Christ, it makes you watch your witness. And live a life that backs up the things that you believe. All right. So God wants us to not forget Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We have a plan to take the gospel there too. But for us, we want to be a people where evangelism isn't something that's done by me on a stage. Or Sean on a stage. Or Paula on a stage. That you bring people to. That's one experience. But the better of experience is... We teach you how to be the best soul winner that you can be in your local world that's bespoke to you, that, that belongs to you. It's, it's like Olympic rings, isn't it? We all, we all have a world, a circle on a piece of paper filled with names that's unique to us. Sometimes the, the circles, they cross over like the Olympic sign where you know people I know, I know people you know. But it doesn't take away from the fact you have a world that's completely unique to you. So what is Jesus saying to us? Now that you've experienced me, received the gift of salvation, step every day into your world and treat it like your mission field. If you come to my office at home, you'll see above the door a little sign and it says, you are now entering the mission field. Because it's what happens where I am that matters first. And so I want to call us to be a people 
who are a commissioned people who love soul winning, but don't just see soul winning as an event that we bring people to, but rather we see our lives carrying Christ into the world of others. So that's go taken care of. Let's talk about preach, because again, you may say, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not a preacher, Andy. That commission said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I, I'm just not a preacher. No, but you are a communicator. What about if we de-spook the word preach and just replace it with communicate, chat, natter, never gossip. All of us communicate every day in our everyday lives, otherwise you'd walk around saying nothing. But what we often communicate about are the things we love or care for, right? Cars, football players, pop stars. Well, at the top of the list of what we love and what we care about really should be Jesus Christ, all right? Because he didn't score a goal, he saved a soul. Thank you very much. Come on, he's the saviour of our life. But we shouldn't force him into conversations. He should naturally come into every conversation because of the position he has in our life. It's like if we were to go out and eat, if any of us were to go out and eat, and we'd been eating about 10 or 15 minutes, I wouldn't have to think, oh no, I better tell him about Gina. For those that know, Gina is my wife, or my five children. Oh no, I've been with them 10 minutes, I better tell them about Gina. No, Gina and my children naturally find themselves appearing in every conversation I have, simply because of the position they have in my life. In the same way, Jesus isn't saying, go and tell everyone about religion. He's saying, go and tell everyone about me and tell them how I save. So when we look at preaching, we've got to take it away from an image of us being in commercial roads, standing on a a box with long flowing grey hair, telling everybody they're going to hell. That doesn't work very well. What works better is when we sit on the bench next to somebody that's waiting for their wife who's in H&M and we say, you having a good day? What are you doing this weekend? And they're obligated then to say, what about you? Funny, you should say that. I'm going to church. Do you go to church? Well, I've experienced religion. Oh, I'm not talking about... You know, suddenly you get into conversations. Paula's brilliant at this. She, she just gets into conversations about Jesus really uh, in a fun way. Now, it's a part of our everyday communication Christianity is a relationship with a person. It's not the defense of an ideology or a concept. You see, God doesn't want us to win a conversation or win an argument. He wants us to win a person. That's why we've got to look at how we do evangelism and say, am I giving this my best effort? When I have an opportunity with somebody that's in the circle of my world, am I using that opportunity And and am I communicating or representing Jesus in a way that other people will want him to? To tell you the truth, before I came back to Christ, the way that some people represented Jesus actually made me want to run. It made me want to run. I had enough trouble in my life. But then when I met somebody that knew him and spoke of his love, his mercy, 
His grace, his faithfulness, his patience, how he never gives up on you. Suddenly I said, I want to know that Jesus. You see, we step in to our everyday world that's bespoke to us. That's our Jerusalem. Not forgetting Judea, Samaria, but concentrating every day on the mission field that he's given us. With a heart to communicate Jesus in a way that's natural to us. Don't turn into preacher man. They think you're a freak. If suddenly you're talking to them like this and you're going, yeah, yeah, I like a little bit of football. Yeah, I do a little bit of paddle body. Jesus! Jesus! Ah, you better receive all. They're going to go, you have lost your marbles, haven't you? What just happened? You know, I know it's easy to walk past a lot of people today smelling as it's smoking pot. It happens when I'm walking the dog. I'm like, what's that smell? But, you know, if you do that, someone's going to go, have you been smoking or sniffing pot or something? What just happened? Did I miss something? Be you. Be you. And communicate to them how incredible Jesus is. First thing you'll do is separate him from religion. The amount of times I get into taxis or airport cars and I start to communicate Jesus and they go, I'm not religious, nor am I. Let me tell you about a person who turned my life around. See, the way that we communicate Christ is important. So we want to celebrate in Family Church a culture and a family value that we're a commissioned people. Next week, Sean's going to talk about being discipled and disciple makers. But this is the one we wanted to underline today. We don't want to be a people storage unit that people bring their friends to to find Christ alone. That's good, but we have a better plan. Let's teach the church how easy it is to win others in their circle into a relationship with Jesus. So it's about us making a commitment that we're going to end our silence. That's what it comes down to. But the moment you end your silence, the Holy Spirit suddenly gives you his ability. He knows what you can do and what you can't. He wants your ability, not your... He wants your availability, not your ability. Apparently, according to Google, there's about 7.6 billion people living in the world at the moment. Also, according to Google, there's 2.2 billion people that profess to be Christians. Now, we've got a problem because if that was true, we'd all be in heaven now. The job would be done. The problem is we've got too many silent saints, quiet Christians, that are treating Jesus like an ugly girlfriend, basically. They're one way with him in church and when they get out in general public, they pretend they don't know him and they weren't with him. Come on, let's not do that. Let's be a people that aren't freaky or weird, but we love every opportunity we can to introduce people to the Jesus who's the most important person in our life. I love a little chapter in the book of Isaiah, chapter six, verse eight. And it speaks of, the prophet Isaiah overhearing a conversation that was taking place in heaven. It says that he was on the earth, Isaiah was on the earth, yet he had a vision or a moment where he was able to witness or experience something that was going on in heaven. And what he experienced was a conversation happening amongst the Godhead. And the father must have been talking to the son, the son might have been talking to the Holy Spirit. God was talking to himself. 
And he said, who will go for us? Who can we send? We've got a problem. Who will go for us? Who can we send? And then the prophet Isaiah, knowing his own failings, stepped forward and said, here I am, Lord. Send me. That's the heartbeat we want in Family Church is that we lead people through a place of conversion where they find Christ for themselves. Then we put them on the road of discipleship where they grow in their walk and their knowledge of God. But from the moment they're saved, they become witnesses and introducers to others, not of religion, but of Jesus Christ. So I said the purpose of the church or church leadership is to train you. We want to train you. There's two ways that we can help you to become the best soul winner that you can be. Number one, I wrote a book. We've got a picture of it. There we go. I wrote a book during lockdown called Soul Winner. How many people have read Soul Winner? Okay, there's a lot of people that need to read Soul Winner. Soul Winner is basically, from my own understanding, a dummy's guide on how easy it is to lead someone to Jesus. It's written by an Englishman that used to sell vegetables that was radically changed by God and has been committed for 30 years on leading people to Jesus on the stage and off of it. I will teach you in that book how simple it is. It's like a manual to soul winning. But also what we've done is we've opened something called Soul Winner Boot Camp. And Soul Winner Boot Camp is a brilliant way for you to gain a confidence in being a soul winner. Again, it was during lockdown, I'd written the book Soul Winner because I felt the Lord say, put everything you've learned about soul winning over the last 30 years into a book. But also during lockdown, when we were all forced to live behind cameras, I felt God say, well, why don't you put on a five-night boot camp from your home, sitting in your living room, and uh, just make it available for people to tune in, sign up and tune in to free of charge and spend five nights teaching people how easy it is to lead others to Christ. So I did the first Soul Winner Boot Camp, and we've done about six or seven, I believe. We've had 2,400 small groups and households that have done that. And I'm starting another one on October the 20th. And all you need to do is give me an hour to an hour and a half on a Thursday night, join me online, and allow me to train you to be the best Soul Winner in your local world that you can be. So Soul Winner Boot Camp, it starts on October the 20th and it's on a Thursday night, 7.30. It's brilliant. A whole community of people come alive. Uh, sometimes we have six, you know, four, six hundred people on there. Uh, or It's brilliant. It's, if you've ever done one, it's brilliant. If you haven't, you need to. How do you register for it? It's free of charge. Soulwinner.co.uk Just save it after me. Soul Winner. .co.uk That website will take you to um, where you can purchase a book but also where we, um, you can sign up. There's a section called training and if you enter your email and details we'll send you an email and you'll join us on October the 20th. And again, free of charge five Thursday nights. It's live I personally do it from my home into yours. We talk about soul winning. So it's only a commitment that's going to cost you about five hours. 
But I promise you at the end of it, you'll be like, let me at them. This is so easy. Why didn't I do it before? And that's how we've built Soul Winner to be. Because if only a few people think they can win souls, only a few people will. But that moment, everyone can say, oh, I can do that. What's the issue? That's when we begin to touch the world outside of the building. All right, so that's our culture or our family value that we're a commissioned people. Did you enjoy that? Did it annoy you, aggravate you, agitate you? I hope so. I hope it, it caused something in you that said, I'm ending my silence. I'm going to begin to carry Christ into my world, starting with the world that's unique to me. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Maybe there's someone here today and uh, you've never given your life to Jesus. Like we say, we want to have lifestyle evangelism, but equally we'll use every opportunity when we meet together also. It's not either or, it's both and. We want to win souls from a stage, but also win souls by our people being soul winners. If you're here today and you never knew that Jesus is real and Jesus saves, maybe you experienced religion and it turned you away from God. There's a lot of people that were turned away from God by religion. But you want a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want him to step into your world today and give you a relationship that assures that you will go to heaven if anything was to happen to you. But also today you start an adventure of knowing him. Let's just pray this prayer together, church. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. Thank you that faith in Jesus Christ produces forgiveness of sin and a brand new relationship with God. I believe in you, Jesus. I give you my heart and I welcome you into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. Last couple of seconds. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've been away from God and you want to come back and pledge your love afresh. When I count to three, if that's you, just go ahead and lift your hand, nice and boldly. One, two, three. Anybody today need to give their life to Jesus? Give their life back to Jesus? God bless you. I see those hands at the back there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I see two hands there at the back. That's amazing. Is there a third person? A third person. You say, yeah, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to come back to Jesus. Ah, oh, there's a third person. Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. There's a fourth person. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Is there a fifth person? And you say, me too, Andy. God bless you. I see that hand. Fantastic. There's five. Is there a sixth person? Remember, you're responding to God, saying, yes, God, today it changes. Is there a sixth person? Father, I pray for these five today that have responded and said, yes, today I give my life to you, Lord. I invite you to be my Lord and my King. I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit to be on them and in them. In Jesus' name, amen.